0: Welcome to the Beyond Normal podcast. I'm excited to have my friend for, for quite a bit of time now, uh, Michael Hollinsworth, the founder of the New Way Staffing. What I like to say his business is, and I'll let him chime in on this as well. Um, but this is definitely, you know, that uh, premier staffing service for all those targeting the Southeast right now who have been uh, institutionalized and they're looking to uh, rehabilitate their careers and start fresh. So, you know, I want to welcome my, my good friend, Michael Hollinsworth.
1: Thank you for for allowing me to join. Really appreciate
0: it. Appreciate that, sir. All right. Um. So I want to get right into it. You have a very um uh, unique story around how you got into your uh, entrepreneur journey. Yep. Uh, so I want you to uh tell you know tell us a little bit about about your background. Uh, you know upbringing all the way up into how you transitioned from corporate into your uh, current position. Um. At New Way Staffing. Right.
1: So background, you know, pretty regular from a smaller town uh, just outside of Atlanta. So I'm a Georgia boy, born and raised, went to undergrad here, grad school, got out of college, started my career in banking. So was a business banker for a few years with Wells Fargo, uh, then went to graduate school, got out of graduate school, joined GE in one of their leadership programs. So they gave me the opportunity to move out of Georgia for the first time. So lived in Bentonville, Arkansas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas. So it was an amazing experience, you know, from a, for a small town, you know, kids to get a chance to experience living in these, these different places. And that really broadened, you know, my, my exposure to, to a lot of different things. Uh, in terms of how I got into entrepreneurship, so as you mentioned, so my organization, we're a second chance employment agency. We partner with the Department of Corrections both here in Georgia and in Florida. So we contract with industrial companies. So construction and manufacturing to place individuals who are coming out of prison into gainful employment. And how I got into that, to that uh, personal story, my dad actually spent four years in prison um, on a nonviolent drug charge. When he was released, he struggled to find employment and Prior to him going to prison, I mean, he was very skilled. So he drove a 18-wheeler for years. Uh, he was an owner-operator for a while, so he ran his own business. He did flooring. He was a mechanic. So he was very mechanically inclined. But that mark on his record prevented him from get, getting the second chance. And not just him, some other cousins that have had a similar experience. So I'm very familiar with the types you know, with who's in prison, because, you know, a lot of those are my family members. So I know how skilled and how capable they are. And my experience in corporate, you know, taught me how to interact with executives, how to present, how to take an idea from concept to execution. So I had these wonderful skills that I felt like I could put together with this experience that I, you know, that I've witnessed with my family members to start a business, and a little less than three years ago, I decided to take a leap of faith. I knew that there was a big need for these, you know, for individuals coming from prison to get gainful employment, but I also felt like there was an opportunity entrepreneurially because a lot of entrepreneurs or businesses weren't focused on the space. So I decided to put together a business model, i.e. the staffing agency, and started pitching it to companies and um, I was right. Uh, so I think we've probably on our 10th, 10th contract and uh, have a, have a lot of big things in the works. And, you know, we've met with some of the largest companies in the world and what they do. So there, there's a lot of interest in this, but I just, I wanted to, to make an impact and help those that have gone through what my dad and my you know family went through. And, and also, you know, Grow as a as a as a, as a professional at the same time, so it gave me kind of that a double dip. So I guess you call me you would call me a social entrepreneur, and that's you know it's a, it's a hot thing now to be a social entrepreneur. Um, so it kind of bridges the non the, the the impact of traditional nonprofits, but it has that for profit element. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed my two and a half years in entrepreneurship and made some incredible incredible strides. So again, thank you for having me, and you know that's. A little bit about my background and how and
0: why I got started. Got it. So, you know, talk a little bit about you spoke to the skills that you gained um, in more of a corporate setting. Talk about a little bit about, like, was there a defining moment where you knew I need to take these skills and I need to, you know, I've learned enough in that corporate environment. I need to apply them to something, like you said, where you want to be that that social entrepreneur and give back to the community.
1: I don't know if it's a defining moment. I, I went back and forth. I knew this was something that could work. I knew mean, that in my heart. And I also knew that if I didn't do it, I would regret it for the rest of my life. So I think that was just the moment. Like me thinking about, and I'm sure you're a tech guy, so you're familiar with Jeff Bezos, right? So he has this mm-hmm. this he, this term called regret minimization. So he's like, I'll fast forward myself to when I'm 80 years old. And if I if I if I regret not doing this at eighty, then I have to do it. And it was similar. I, I just I would regret it for the rest of my life because because I knew everything was. There. I, I understand this probably like no one else, but then I have the business skills to kind of help move it forward. So the pieces were in place. It was just up to me to kind of build up the courage. And you know, you know it's was, it was a big step because you know I, you know I was making great money, had a great job, um, but I just. Wanted to do something more and, and be more impactful.
0: No, and I commend you for that. You know that that's that's a big step to take. But like you said, you know, thinking like somebody like a say a, a Jeff Bezos, who you who you use as an example. You know, he doesn't leave anything on the table, right? He's willing to take some of those bets, yeah, um, <laughs> at a, on a really big scale, right? But <laughs> right, right. You, you know, you took that time to say, all right, now now is the time for me to take this bet and uh, you know gamble on yourself. Yeah. Uh, which a lot of people I think are battling with right now. And there's some right. opportunity for folks to gamble on themselves a little bit more in the current right. climate.
1: And I think it's I think it's important for everyone to really find out what you can do. That's the one thing entrepreneurship allows you. You'll definitely find out what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you ever question it, you'll, you'll find out. Um, and, it not, and it not just tests you as a business person, but it tests you emotionally ups and downs. So when I left corporate, I got my first contract two weeks after I left, right? So I'm thinking I'm this phenomenal entrepreneur. I went another three months before I got my second contract. Um, That three-month period was was rough because I'm thinking contracts are going to be coming left and right, but they weren't. And even with the second contract, it ended up not working out. So that's another down moment. And it took another two or three months before I got my third contract so it tests you, entrepreneurship tests you in ways you can never imagine. And and, and a lot of people don't think about the emotional aspect, but it definitely it strengthens you emotionally and it, it makes you, you're ready for anything. If you can, you can sustain being an entrepreneur for a couple of years, uh, you, you can do anything.
0: Do anything. Yep. All right, that, I, I think that's a good reflection and kind of segue into the next question that I have for you. What's something that you wish you would have known At the beginning of this entrepreneur journey that you feel like would have, you know, let you hit the ground a little bit, running a little bit quicker than, like you said, going through some of those um, learning experiences throughout the process.
1: I believed in myself that I had the skills to do it. I didn't know that I was going to have to learn to do everything, like literally everything. I've learned how to do corporate taxes, learned how to reconcile my, my books, all the invoicing I do the cold calling, to schedule the, the meeting, to pitching, the contract negotiations—literally end to end. I can do it all. I didn't—I didn't think about that portion, but I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm glad I forced—I was forced and forced myself to to learn those things because now it's like I'm not again. I, I know what I can do. I think the second thing I just alluded to, just the emotional aspect of it that is never really talked about. Entrepreneurship is like a roller coaster, it's ups and downs and those down moments really, really test you. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that fall into depression because you you have these grand hopes of what this thing can be and the the impact that you can make in the world and if you don't see that impact happening, that can really um you know, that, that can that can be, be, be kind of saddening. I wish I'd have known that it was gonna test me to, to those depths. But again, it's made me such so much stronger. So the fact that I've had to learn how to operate a business end to end and um, it's made me a lot stronger emotionally. I think those two things are, you know, are things that I wasn't expecting.
0: I think now, like you mentioned that emotional piece, right? I think the mm-hmm. buzzword that people use is like EQ, <laughs> yeah. you know, comparing people's EQ to their uh, their IQ. Right, right. But in the current climate, like people are dealing with, you know, a lot, a lot of emotions, right? Just yeah. with COVID going on. Families aren't able to just connect. You're not able to see your friends in person. You're not supposed to be. Some people still are. Uh, You know, we got the rise of George Floyd situation. I want to talk a little bit around, you know, how you still engage with your your end customer, which is ultimately these people who are trying to reacclimate and back into society. What is their kind of emotional state um, that you've gotten a feel of? through the COVID situation and now the George Floyd riots?
1: Right. My business is kind of, it's a two-sided market, right? So one side is, you know, are, are the returning citizens or the people that are coming out of prison. The other side are the industrial companies. Both are our clients. Speaking from the returning citizen standpoint, I can just speak for myself because I'm a black man. So we, we're we all going to feel this the same. Um, it's, it's definitely disheartening to know that your life is discounted here, but, you know, we, you know, our parents have told us that, you know, that it's difficult to be a black man in, in America. I love the fact that so many people from all different walks of life have come together in solidarity to protest these injustices. So it's not just black people that are voicing our concerns. Now it's people from around the world. I think, I think that's a beautiful thing. So that, that gives us all Signs of hope that things are, you know, moving in the right direction. You know, who knows when it'll be fully, you know, the way it, it needs to be, but it, it's at least being noticed. Unlike it, you know, any time in the in the past.
0: Yeah, good point. So you you have two sides of your client relationship, right? You're dealing with right. those who are um, coming back into so- society, and then those businesses um, right. that need that talent, right? I guess what it has the communication been like from the partners that you're working with during the current, you know, the George, George Floyd uh, riots, have they been kind of opening up a little bit more saying they're going to step up or, you know, wh- how are the, how are your corporate partners feeling in terms of um, the current climate?
1: My clients in particular are all about, they understand the need for opportunities and we've had the opportunity to place guys With their companies. So they get how they understand. They now see how, how talented these folks are. So they get it, which is why they're working with us to begin with. You know, they, they had, they were compassionate enough even before this to sign contracts with this, you know, our clients get it. Um, now we're, we've been in talks with several other larger companies over the past year. We are starting those conversations again. So I'll be eager to see how those conversations turn out given you know what's going on in the community and how new way directly impacts men and women who face these barriers and who you know are prevented from getting their lives back together so definitely interested to see you know how those conversations turn out in the coming months.
0: one last question on this on this piece and then I'll move on in terms of um, we all have seen in terms of you know the money, and some of the resources that businesses, you know, are starting to allocate, um, to, you know, get rid of right the racial injustice that's going on. I-, I wanted you to take a take a minute, um, take however long you think you need, but just to explain why you feel like companies should be investing in a business like yours, where there are some folks that have been dis- disenfranchised and they've gone through situations who may need, uh that second chance in order to right. you know add value that we all we all think that we should add right um, that said value
1: yeah I, this actually isn't a pitch that I that I give to companies one a lot of people coming out of prison have the skill set that these industrial companies are looking for they're former welders mechanics uh, equipment operators it's really hard for these companies to find the type of talent out in the general public right so one They're able to be more productive and, you know, get their work done quicker. But two, the economic impact speaks for itself. So Georgia alone, it costs $35,000 a year to house someone in prison. And stats say within five years, 75%, there's a four out of five chance they're going to go back to prison, right? So think about all that, all those resources that taxpayers are paying to, to house these individuals, and when they get out, if they can't find a job, think about the social services that they're having to utilize, their food stamps. So, you know, you go from $35,000 a year, then, you know, when they're out, a few more $1,000 a month, right? Whereas if they're employed, they pay on average ten to $15,000 a year in taxes. And Manhattan Institute did a study that says, you know, the sooner uh, an individual is employed after, you know, they're released, Less likely they are to go back to prison. So you essentially go from taxpayers paying thirty-five thousand a year to them paying into the the, the tax base by ten to fifteen thousand dollars. So that's a forty-five to fifty thousand dollars net income, net impact to the community per year. And if you look at California, I think it's like seventy thousand dollars a year to house someone in prison. So you're looking at if you can get them employed and keep them out of prison, that's a six-figure net impact per year in in places like california so it benefits everyone one the companies are getting the necessary talent to you know increase their productivity but two the economy benefits as a whole mm-hmm. so every everybody benefits when we can take this one person and get them on the right track
0: yeah and i love that you have that in the pitch because those are eye-opening numbers absolutely right? like absolutely. You said. Atlanta's a big metro, so you guys are gonna have numbers similar to like you said California, where the impact of not having these folks in, in the system, right? Um, it's huge and it benefits everybody. Right. right. Um, in terms of uh, you know, how would somebody go about giving back or you know helping this cause that you that you that you're working on and that you're passionate with? I would
1: just say just advocacy in general. I mean, we're a pretty closed system, so we don't work with the public. It's what is called B2B2G, business to business to governance. Pretty closed. We don't even really do much social media marketing. i um, just say like advocacy because not everyone owns a manufacturing company or a large construction company. But, you know, we all interact with people that have been to prison. Um, and, you know, we all could have gone to prison, you know, at some point in our lives because we've all made mistakes. We just happen to not have gotten caught. So just really just advocacy. Um, Just judge judge those folks for the person that they are now, not by the mistake that they made. And I think if we all take that approach, a lot of things will change.
0: And you mentioned one thing there, um, like you said, is B to B to G. Yep. Um, And I think that's important, right? That G um, that we all know, that government piece. And I know the big hot topic for everybody right now is just getting out and voting. Right. And kind of just knowing, you know, what your local politicians, you know, what's their thought process on these kinds of topics as people do um look to come back into society. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So how do people go about staying in touch um uh, with everything that New Way staffing is doing? Um and just keeping up to date with all the great things um right. that your that your company's doing.
1: Right. Um, again, um, primarily, you know, you can go to our website, which is newwaystaffing.com, N U hyphen W A Y staffing.com. Um, you can also follow us on LinkedIn. We we'll don't have a big, again, because we're a pretty cool mm-hmm. system. So we don't do a lot on the Instagrams and the mm-hmm. Facebooks. It's something we may start, um, doing more on, more in on in, in the near future. But yeah, our, our website, LinkedIn, um, pretty much keeps, Keep folks, you know,
0: up to date with what we're doing. You know, in closing, um, you know, I wanted to just give you some time towards the end, you know, just to, if you had any last remarks, anything you want to leave the people with in terms of what, you know, New New Way staffing um, is currently doing and what you guys are going to be um, building towards um, right. for the future.
1: I mean, I think think the goal is to impact every major metropolitan city in the country. That That's the goal. Um we are want a great, great start, you know. Florida and conversations with the Carolinas, but there's some other areas that need to be addressed in this space as well, from a transportation to work uh, perspective, a housing perspective. So, uh, I really want to, I really want to go after those, and those are the three, you know, key hurdles: employment, transportation, and housing. I really want to go after those, um, those areas, see how we can impact them to make lives better. Um so I mean it's a lifetime worth of work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I guess you could say you could say it's my life work per se. But um those are the things that we're we're looking at, really um changing how the system operates post incarceration.
0: Yeah thinking about that wing to wing. Absolutely um, that seems like like you said, that's a lifetime of work. Absolutely it is. Yeah I know yeah. you'll definitely get there. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank you. You know, I want to thank again, uh, I want to thank Michael for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast. I can be reached by cell phone uh, via call or text at 980-263-9921. I'm interested in connecting with other business owners across different industries and looking forward to the conversation.